Section 9 of the Beginning of the Middle Ages by Richard William Church. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 5. The Franks. Part 1. Supremacy of the Franks in the West. The Merovingian kings, descendants of Clovis. The mayors of the palace. Rise of the Carolingian family at the end of the sixth century somewhat more than a hundred years from the abdication of the last western emperor four seventy six to six hundred the great change had been accomplished by which in all the western lands occupied by the empire the public prerogatives and the indirect powers of a ruling people were transferred from the latin to the german race the romans in the time of the empire had in a degree unknown in the world before moulded the subject populations to their own likeness and model they romanized the whole west more or less everywhere as time went on in increasing measure from york to the columns of hercules on the rhone on the seine on the rhine even in the valleys of the alps their institutions their laws their education their language their buildings their monuments at last when they adopted it their Christianity, were the silent and continuous influences which assimilated life and thought and habits to the Italian type as it had been developed by the marvellous history of Rome. It is scarcely possible to express the greatness of the change produced by the interruption of this process. It was interrupted by what is called the invasion of the barbarians. Barbarians they certainly were, who broke in upon the Roman Empire and destroyed it in the West. But it was not because they were barbarians that their victory was so fruitful in consequences. It was because they were conquerors of a new and special race. It was because it was the substitution, temporary in one land, permanent in another, of the Teutonic race, one and the same race in all its manifold varieties, Goths, Franks, saxons angles lombards for the preceding latin rule and supremacy no greater and more decisive crisis has ever happened in the history of the world than the settlement of the teutonic peoples in the lands which the latins had filled with their ideas and their language their manners their spirit their names and their customs nor is the importance of this change diminished because in so many parts the german conquerors were greatly influenced and at last absorbed by the romanized population amid which they settled we cannot tell what the course of history would have been if the latins had kept the germans out in gaul in italy in spain in britain but assuredly it would have been very different the transfer of power in the west from the latin race to the german in the fifth and sixth centuries constitutes the first act of modern history but it was only the first act of a long and troubled drama not yet played out the german settlement took many shapes in england it was exclusive and homogeneous in gaul it was greatly affected by the circumstances round it and it allowed its own distinctive features to be by degrees impaired and obliterated by foreign influences in spain it directly aimed at a policy of fusion between the two races under the direction of the church in italy under the lombards it was throughout uneasy oppressive 
antagonistic, too strong not to leave deep impressions, but not strong enough to master and assimilate the obstinate counter-element of Latin character in its native home. Teutonic institutions and feelings grew more and more vigorous in England. In Gaul, after efforts of resistance, German France gradually melted into Latin and Romance France. In Spain, under a Romance and Latin language, the old feeling and temper of the Goths largely survived. The basis of Spanish character was Teutonic, and under the long strain of the national and Christian war against the Moors, it issued in that singular mixture of strength and weakness, of loftiness and baseness, which has so often shown itself in Spanish history. In Italy, the Lombard power, though not the Lombard element, after lasting for two centuries, was thrown off as the Gothic power had been. But as in the case of the Gothic power, only by foreign aid. In Italy throughout the Middle Ages and down to our own time, the Germans were never in the judgment and feeling of the Italians, other than what they were at the first, barbarians, whom the Italians were not strong enough to keep out, while to the Germans the Italians never ceased to be Welsh, the Teutonic equivalent for barbarian or foreigner. Thus at the beginning of the seventh century the new Teutonic settlement appears everywhere established. From the empire as it existed in the east it had little to fear. The emperor at Constantinople was still in moments of convenience or in moods of courtesy, acknowledged by the Teutonic king as invested with a majesty without rival or peer on earth, the source of honours, of legitimate titles, of high dignities, who might still be dangerous on the fringe of their dominions, but who was too far off and too busy with troubles of his own to cause disquietude in the West there was still a certain amount of intercourse with Constantinople. The Lombards, hated by the Franks, the Greeks, and the Popes, were assailed by occasional alliances in which the Frank kings intrigued with the emperor and sometimes overreached him. The real dangers of the new races arose first from their own intestine discords and their intractableness to order and law, and next from the habits of aggression and pillage lingering in the tribes of their own blood, who remained in their old seats in Germany and on the Danube. In England in the following century this last danger appeared in a most formidable shape. The British race had been exterminated or crushed into insignificance in England. Through fierce wars among themselves the separate kingdoms learnt one another's strength, the smaller ones became attached to the larger, and a tendency to union began, strengthened by the strengthening influence of the church. First and partially under Northumbria, then under Mercia, and at last more completely under Wessex, a single kingly supremacy embodied the growing fact of the unity in its laws and its fortunes of the English nation. But then, the new nation began to suffer from the repetition of the process by which it had itself come into being. Just as the fathers of the English had come first with a few pirate ships, then with more, first only for a summer ravage, then to winter in the island, first only to carry back plunder to their eastern homes on the Weser or the Elba, 
then to settle and gain a new home in england as they began by making swift inroads into the enemy's country pushing up the rivers with the tide or scouring the land far and wide with troops of horsemen and ended by besieging towns subduing kingdoms challenging the submission of the britons so came the danish rovers vikings upon england but the danish settlement never became what the earlier anglo-saxon one had been it did not create a new people the danes won a footing in england a large and lasting one for a time they became the masters there and their princes wore the english crown but they were too late to found a nation in spite of the tremendous miseries and losses of the danish invasion the english people had become too strongly constituted to be broken up by it or even to be greatly altered in character and policy in spain the national history was more tragic the policy of the great theodoric of which scarcely a trace appears in the sons of clovis seems to have been continued among the gothic kings of spain there also though in a very different way from the english the goths through all the disturbances of the time were on their way apparently with a deliberate aim to political unity and constitutional order after the death of oiric the conqueror and legislator in 484 the gothic power in gaul fell before the franks and its main seat was transferred to spain under a constitutionally elective kingly rule which as with the lombards the chiefs always tried to keep elective and the kings usually but not always tried to make hereditary but in contrast with the lombards in italy the gothic kings in spite of bloody changes and fierce opposition from their nobility succeeded in identifying themselves with the land and the people whom they had conquered they guided the fortunes of the country with a distinct purpose and vigorous hand by leovigild five seventy two to five eighty six the power of the rebellious nobility was broken and the independence and name of the sueves of galicia extinguished the still more dangerous religious conflict between the catholic population and the inherited arianism of the goths was put down but at the cost of the life of his son herminegild who had married a frank and catholic princess and who placed himself at the head of the catholics but leovigild was the last arian king this cause of dissension was taken away by his son recared five eighty six to six o one who solemnly abandoned arianism and embraced with zeal the popular catholic creed he was followed by the greater part of his arian subjects but the change throughout the land was not accomplished without some fierce resistance it led among other things to the disappearance of the gothic language and all that recalled the arian days and to the destruction in spain of what there was of gothic literature such as the translation of the bible supposed to be tainted with arianism but it determined the complete fusion of the gothic and latin population after recorid two marked features of the later spanish character began to show themselves one was the great prominence in the state of the ecclesiastical element the spanish kings sought in the clergy a counterpoise to their turbulent nobility 
the great church councils of toledo became the legislative assemblies of the nation the bishops in them took precedence of the nobles laws were made there as well as canons and seventeen of these councils from three ninety eight to six ninety four are recorded between the end of the fourth century and the end of the seventh the other feature was that stern and systematic intolerance which became characteristic of spain under sisebut six twelve to six twenty took place the first expulsion of the jews the jews of spain whose settlements were numerous rich and of old date had to choose between baptism or else exile with the loss of their possessions this legislation was renewed with continued severity and the kings took a special oath to enforce it the spanish nation meanwhile was being knit together the garrisons of the greek empire were gradually driven to the coast and under suentilla six twenty to six thirty one finally expelled from the peninsula the gothic kings mostly elected men for the most part of energy and purpose sometimes of relentless purpose who still retained amid latin influences their peculiar teutonic names governed with a statesmanship unknown among the franks to break the restless and rebellious spirit of the nobles which gregory of tours thought peculiar to the goths chindasuintha six forty two to six fifty two an old man of eighty banished at a stroke from spain two hundred nobles and seven hundred freemen confiscating their estates and reducing their families to serfdom it produced profound peace while the franks under their feeble kings were distracted by the fierce rivalry of brunhild and fredegund and the rising mayors of the palace equally resolute in encountering the natural turbulence of their warriors and attentive to the political condition of the kingdom the kings for the most part till the last showed themselves a match for their formidable nobility and under their care the legislation of the west goths attained a methodical form and a comparatively judicious and equitable character peculiar to it under chindasuintha six forty two to six fifty two the laws of the two races were fused into one and for the first time among the teutonic nations personal law was changed into a law of the land under the kings who succeeded him down to Ajica, six eighty seven to seven o one and from the councils of toledo grew up the forum judicum the gothic code the first law-book in which the roman and german law was attempted to be harmonized into a systematic whole the first western legislation which aims at exhibiting the philosophical idea of law the gothic realm of spain was the most flourishing and the most advanced of the new teutonic kingdoms it was rich and powerful and though there was still much that was barbarous ungovernable corrupt and dangerous the powers of the country were in strong hands and the kings the nobles and the clergy all who could represent the nation were learning to work together in their public assemblies End of section nine